Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I'm finally caught up on Succession and I have to say that I was shocked. Okay. That Shiv wore that aggressively all-black outfit to a wedding. Who dresses like on that? On a boat. A wedding? On, on a, a boat. boat. There is Do you know what I'm fascinated? Nautical. What? I am fascinated. Do you ever notice she like never has a bag? <laughs> what? She never has a bag. Whoa. Almost never. Almost never. But yes, that was an aggressively aggressive outfit for a wedding of a family member on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, maybe that explains Tom's uh, knee-jerk hatred of a large and prominent bag. <laughs> the capricious, the capricious tote. Oh, man. Every time I see a big capricious tote, I just think about Tom. What a, what a, what a Listen, treasure. I, I hope he's not dissing. I hope he's not dissing my L.L. Bean bags, which are so openly L.L. Bean. <laughs> he would feel like, oh, she she got her little running shoes in there. She's going to go. Oh, the what has she like, got cat litter in that bag? And the answer is probably. 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 Yes. And if if she does, it's none of your business, Tom. Yeah, Tom. <laughs> This week, we are joined by Senator Maisie Hirono, Kieran Deal, and Amanda Nguyen to take on the following questions. Just how far are Republicans going to go on their crusade to make abortion illegal for everyone? What's with the proliferation of therapy speak in friendships and relationships? Are you setting a boundary or being an asshole? And how does it feel to stand next to a rocket launch? All this and more right now. Okay, uh, a lot of news has been happening. We have an interview regarding the big story that has been vexing us. Worse than vexing. What's a word that means worse than vexing? Uh, uh, Making us very mad. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's several words. but Deeply concerning. Deeply concerning, indeed. And I'm not talking about... I think Susan Collins is probably concerned. Maybe we could go back to an episode of Succession and just say that what's happening is like uh, the shit show at the fuck factory. Oh, yes. It is a shit show at at the fuck factory. (laughs) Indeed. But there are good things coming out of the bad, I think. And and a great example of how that all works and how the public anger at the status quo's fear of its growing irrelevance um, is, is paying off. For the good guys. Uh, In Tennessee, uh, there were three Democratic lawmakers who participated in a uh, gun control protest after a shooting Mm -hmm. at a school in Nashville. Two of those three Democratic state lawmakers were expelled. The third was almost expelled. She survived by one vote. The two that were expelled were two black men, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. And the representative who was not expelled is named Gloria Johnson. Gloria Johnson pointed out that it seemed that she couldn't quite put her finger on why she well, got to keep her job and the, the two others were expelled. So after they were expelled, um, a ton of attention came to mm-hmm. Tennessee Republicans, nationwide attention. Uh, a ton of money came in for the two expelled mm-hmm. lawmakers. Uh, Senator Chris Murphy alone raised $400,000. He's a prominent gun control active advocate in the Senate, and so this kind of completely vibes with his whole thing. Um, and so what has happened is one of those lawmakers, uh, Representative Jones, has already been reinstated 
So he was like out of office for like three days, um, four days. And the vote to reinstate Justin Pearson is on Wednesday today. So we don't know if Pearson will be uh, readmitted. But so here's what happens at the end of the day. Um, the same lawmakers are still members of uh, the state legislature, but now they have a lot more money and a lot more attention. It's, it seems like the Republicans had a real calculation error here. (laughs) I mean, I'm just going to say, look, you you cut cut budgets for schools for long enough. Eventually all your reps are going to be bad at math. I mean, truly bad at math. These guys, they're like, oh, you know what? And also, Aaron, just to go back to the reason that the three lawmakers were expelled was because they were trying to advocate for the people in their communities who'd been murdered in a mass shooting. And the Republicans cut their microphones. And one of the things and, – and then they brought a bullhorn onto, into the well of the legislature and for that – Uh, they were voted to be expelled, two of the three. And it is just a pretty incredible move on their part because they look like the pettiest bitches, but also they welcomed the speeches. Not they didn't welcome them, but they had to endure the speeches of Jones and Pearson who called out the real fucking perps who are in the legislature. They're like, here's what this person's done. They're still here. Here's what this person was convicted of. They're still here. So, I mean, I feel like America really has a window into what's going on in Tennessee right now, and it's not gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I have to say the Justins, the the two Justins, the Justins. who were expelled from the Tennessee uh, House are both incredibly compelling speakers. And with a national so platform, I felt like I was watching two people with really big futures debut on the national stage. And, and I don't they got think that an that's audience. What, yeah. An audience of millions. So, bigger than they ever could have imagined or the Republicans could have imagined. And neither one of them, I think, is 30 yet. <laughs> no. God, that's crazy. That yeah. is, I mean, I, yeah, you're right, Alyssa. It was a real calculation error. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to, you know, I want a post-game interview like with, that one lawmaker who kind of tried to berate one of the oh. like he he tried he tried to like shake his finger like hey young man this is you got like, attention you sit down yeah you pay respect I kind of yeah. want to sit down be like sir how did how you, do you think, think that went for you <laughs> how did that go for you how did you, versus <laughs> how did you think it would go and like maybe it's time to kind of recalculate your worldview to include the fact that people like you are on their way out. You know, I mean they're fi- they're yeah. fighting for their lives, they're acting like desperate cornered animals, but people like uh people like the the Republicans in the Tennessee state house are like on their way out. They're 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 like Yeah. Anyway, and you know, again, I think the important thing to remember here among many important things is that these were representatives trying to advocate for sensible Gun control. That's right. That's what that's the fight it. came from. Oh uh, based on, prompted by a mass shooting in their own fucking state. Yeah. In a school. Yeah. Where, in a school. Where children die. School. Um, all right. 
So let's uh, transition to the next story. Uh, this is some culture war bu- bullshit, but it's like very funny culture war bullshit. And so I'm going to talk about Because again, it, it backfired. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so stupid. Um, so uh, notable Republican figures are now saying they're boycotting all Anheuser-Busch products after the beer company partnered with a trans influencer named Dylan Mulvaney. Um, Dylan is like a very recognizable face. You've definitely seen her. Like she's what around. Is, and Kid she's like, Rock is taking a submachine gun and blowing up 12 packs of Bud Light. What is is wrong with you people it is bonkers and they're all like (laughs) but the best is they're like you know what fuck you first of all they should google what anheuser-busch produces because they've started replacing things in their fridge with other anheuser-busch products i don't think i think like in order for them to truly boycott anheuser-busch they will have to read more than they've ever read in their lives because there's is, so many well, things on the list. And now they're also, they're like, you know what? Well, fuck that. We're just going to do Coors Light. And it's like, guys, Coors Light's pretty good on Pride Month too. So you might want to just <laughs> pace yourself. You're going to end up machine gunning a lot of fucking beers by the end of June. Oh, my God. Well, I will say this. Bud Light is so watery and tasteless that I hope they were machine gunning those beers over some like grass or native plants that need watering, because I bet that would be nourishing to a plant. (laughs) It's so stupid. It is so stupid. It's like, what was the thing that people were people like? Lighting their Nikes on fire or like throwing. Yeah, yeah, throwing, yeah, something like that. <laughs> or like there there was this one. Some one, sneaker. Some yeah, sneaker. And it's like, you already bought it, dude. Like what? What are you? If you who, stole who's them. Less, who are you teaching a lesson to? Yeah. Take that beer. Now I'm not going to be drinking Fuck you, you. beer. It's like, God, it's so stupid. Also, like, how fragile is your masculinity, ideology, and sense of self that you cannot handle you absolutely lose your mind when a trans girl is in a marketing partnership with a brand that you sometimes use like calm oh my the god fuck down like i'm are all of your other needs being met are all literally <laughs> all of your other needs being met like is there something else you can give your energy to um yeah i mean i i, I i'm going to say i think some of it among the sort of conservative gadfly space is just clout chasing. Um, so yeah. like this is a popular thing to talk about or to take a stand on. And right now, posts about Dylan Mulvaney are going viral and Bud Light are going viral. And so people who are right. like maybe some of these people just want more attention for themselves, which um, I feel it feels like it's a central driver. Yeah, it's embarrassing for them. How embarrassing for them, indeed. It's very embarrassing for them. Um, Oh, one more thing before we go. I got to say, Dianne Feinstein, time to retire. Not great. Time to retire. The 89-year-old senator from California has missed 60 votes of 82 votes taken in 2023. This is at a very important time for Biden to get judges confirmed. And the judges cannot be confirmed if she is gone, if she's not there. She's holding up judicial confirmations because she's old and not showing up to votes. 
And Aaron, this is like, this isn't like, oh my God, she comes from a Republican state and it's better that she be home and be sick than no. resign from her seat. That is the opposite of the state of affairs in Just the state of California. Risk. Like literally Governor Newsom will is like- stockpiling abortion drugs. We're he's, good. <laughs> he's literally, he's, he's fine. He will appoint somebody that will do a vote exactly the way we want them to on Biden's judicial nominees. So please, she doesn't listen to podcasts, I don't think, Diane. But no, if- I've been like, and we appreciate her many years of service and exactly. being a pioneer for women. Mm-hmm. But like, girl, <laughs> girl, it's time. it's time to sail off into the. We're sunset. losing precious ground. We're, We're losing, losing precious time. Exactly, and like you know. Yes, it's it's time to step down. Everything is going to be fine. And the longer she holds on, the more she's tarnishing her legacy. So, you know, like, get out while you're ahead. You're barely ahead, Diane. You're barely ahead. Let it get out in time to be celebrated. Yeah, indeed. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we have a interview when we come back with a person who we always celebrate on this podcast, Senator Mm -hmm. Maisie Hirono. And welcome back. Alyssa, on a Friday before a holiday weekend, the time cowards drop news they don't want too many people to notice, a Trump-appointed Texas judge named Matthew Kaczmarek handed down a ruling on a case brought by the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, a coalition of anti-abortion medical associations and doctors. Kaczmarek unsurprisingly sided with the anti-abortion group and issued a preliminary and permanent injunction ordering the FDA to withdraw approval for mifepristone nationwide. Abortion medications, which were deemed safe by the FDA 20 years ago and have been safely used millions of times to terminate pregnancies. Here to talk about that ruling with us and what comes next is a familiar face to our listeners and an important voice for women in the Senate, where she represents the state of Hawaii. Senator Maisie Hirono, welcome to Hysteria. Aloha. (laughs) Yes, these are hysterical times, I'd say, with this decision and and the obsession that the uh, anti-abortion people have about trying to control and have power over our bodies. Yeah, it's so Senator Hirono, I think I speak for many women and men when I say respectfully, what the fuck? How can one judge do this? And and what, I also what does say it that. mean? <laughs> you also say or, what the yeah, fuck? WTF a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I actually, of course, say the whole thing and, and I know that I've said it on your podcast. <laughs> but as much as you want. We what we do is we these are times when we we need to fight back. And we are. So how can one judge do this though? Like how, I didn't realize that that's how like any judge anywhere in the country can just be like, nope, nobody can use this medication anymore because I disagree with it. Well, the, the, we have a system, federal judicial system where one judge can do that and it so happens that this was a result of uh, forum shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the plaintiffs that organized themselves in Amarillo, and he's the only federal judge there. So it was all focused to have the results that they wanted. And uh, I am figuring out how we can stop this kind of forum or judge shopping from happening. Because I don't know that any other federal judge would have so blithely 
impose their own ideological perspective over an FDA approval process that they uh, approved this drug over 20 years ago. I don't know that that other federal judges would have been so eager to come up with that kind of decision because it's indefensible and it's basically, in my view, nutty. The the same day Kazmarek made his decision, a judge in Washington state delivered a ruling ordering the FDA to preserve, quote, the status quo and keep mifeprestone available in the 17 states along with D.C. that filed the lawsuits. How -hmm. are these two separate and opposing judge rulings interacting with each other? Like, what are (laughs) Americans supposed to do? Hawaii was one of the 17 states and the District of Columbia that was a party to the Washington state decision. And as far as our states and the other states that were parties to that lawsuit, we are going with that judge's decision, which said FDA's approval stands. And so, yes, the Justice Department filed an immediate appeal to Judge Kaczmarek's decision. It's in the Fifth Circuit, which is also peopled with a lot of conservative judges. So we shall see. But ultimately, this might go to the Supreme Court. In fact, it's highly likely that it will. And I'm saying that even this Supreme Court, which you know, uh, I call it the, uh, uh, it, it's the majority is very extremist. They may not be so eager to just toss out an FDA approval process of 20 plus years standing because that will wreak havoc on the ability of the FDA to approve the safety and effectiveness of drugs. Can you imagine the chaos that will be created? And that is why Big Pharma has come out so strongly against Judge Kaczmarek's decision. Hmm. Wow. It's rare that I'm on the side of Big Pharma, but it's okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Go Big Pharma, I, I guess. The, the uh, enemy of my enemy is my friend in this case, I guess. I, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Senator, can we talk a little bit about the forum shopping that you mentioned? Just can you explain a little bit about how that took shape for our listeners who might not be familiar with how that all works? Well, every time a lawsuit is filed, the, the the plaintiffs who file the lawsuit, they have to figure out where they're going to file the lawsuit. It could be a, what state, whatever. But in this case, it was so clear that, what is it, the Physicians for Hippocratic, uh, whatever, it's more like <laughs> Physicians for Hypocrisy. And so they formed in this district uh, court where Judge Kaczmarek was. He is the only judge. So they filed this lawsuit and he is the only judge that could have taken up the lawsuit because he's the only federal judge mm. in that lawsuit. So uh, th- we're looking for ways to prevent this kind of foreign shopping from ha- happening. It's so clear that is what they did. Mm-hmm. Well, like what, what could be done to prevent forum shopping like that? We are thinking about what we can do. And frankly, I think the, the court systems there could also say you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a, a circuit court, a circuit, you can date. So they possibly could have uh, figured out, wait a minute, you can't just go um, to so clearly foreign shops. So there are probably different ways that we can contemplate how to prevent this kind of thing from happening. Okay. So in response to this ruling, which we kind of agree is a, a travesty from soup to nuts, um, several lawmakers hmm. have come out and asked the FDA to ignore the ruling. Do you agree with that? <laughs> is, is that dangerous? I can certainly understand the sentiment, which is this is a crazy decision. Uh, but uh, you know, the process is that, that we're going to file, and we have uh, through the Justice Department, an appeal to the Fifth Circuit, and it'll probably go to the Supreme Court. But this all awakens so many people to the importance of our court system and why the 
judges that we are we are confirming now the Biden judges are uh, are fair and they're going to deal with cases based on precedent, fairness and objectivity, which is not what we have basically with so many of the Trump judges, including Judge Kaczmarek. They are there to impose their ideological perspective and not uh, the rule of law. Senator, you've advocated for women's health and the right to abortion throughout your political career. Yes. Can you tell our listeners a bit about the Women's Health Protect Act and the Equal Access to Abortion Coverage and Health Insurance Act so they know what you're working on? Well, all, all of these, uh, the Women's Health Protection Act basically is to, um, in shorthand, is to codify Roe and also to add some other protections so that the states are not doing things that create uh, major barriers to a person's right to um, reproductive care, including abortion. So all of these bills that I've been pushing through uh, with many of my colleagues is to continue to protect health uh, information, for example. And I'm glad to say that uh, a letter, or I should say a bill, that I introduced in the Senate, uh, Sarah Jacobs introduced it in the in the House is called the SAFER Act, and the administration just is proposing through the Health and Human Services a rule to prevent uh, a person's reproductive if medical information from disclosed to the likes of uh, people from Texas, for example, that are trying to uh, ferret out information, reproductive information. So that kind of information will be protected from disclosure without our consent. That's really important, and I'm glad that the administration is taking up this rule or proposing this rule. Mm-hmm. And I think for people who who think that it's maybe far-fetched that the government would, like, track periods, I mean, it was only a few years hmm. ago that there was an official in Missouri tracking the menstrual cycles of undocumented migrants. Um, oh, and yeah. It, it, it's, and- it's not uncommon. It's happening. I have another bill called My My Body, My Data, which is to protect uh, that kind of information because when uh, we, we seek help from, uh, say, the pregnancy crisis centers, they get a lot of information and there's nothing that, that prevents them from disclosing information to the bounty hunters from Texas, for example. And so My my Body, My Data will prevent that kind of information from just being disclosed. But you know, our data is everywhere. Information is everywhere. We need to protect uh, our our right to keep that information private. Mm-hmm. So the Justice Department, as you mentioned, has already appealed the Texas judge's decision from Friday. Um, what do you see mm-hmm. coming next in our nation's fight for abortion rights? If the the, the Republicans, so basically these these are Republicans, really the the uh, extremist right wing anti abortion people. Apparently, they will stop at nothing. Uh, so well, maybe they'll come up with some other ways to basically effect a nationwide ban. And we have to fight them at every turn. And we are, in fact, states like Hawaii. <clears throat> we we responded. The first bill that was introduced in the Hawaii legislature this session was a bill to prevent women's health information from just being disclosed and to make very, very clear that in the state of Hawaii, which was the first state to decriminalize abortion even before Roe v. Wade, uh, we're the first state and we're we're at the forefront in protecting a person's privacy rights and also to protect the providers of reproductive care, including abortion. So that was one of the first bills enacted by our Hawaii legislature. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad people at the state level are, are taking this on. And it, it does feel, Senator, like people have woken up across the country. Yes. 
There's like what just happened in Wisconsin was huge. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it seems to me, and maybe I'm optimistic here, but this almost feels like a case of like fuck around and find out by Republicans. <laughs> um, this is something that's such a common procedure. It's been used millions of times. Um, and the fact that an ideological judge can just revoke mm-hmm. access to a medication that's been proven safe, I, that seems, that doesn't smell right, I don't think, to voters. That's right. And, uh, you know, we over 50% of abortions in our country are through medications. So mifepristone has been used by over 5 million people. And in a state like Hawaii, where you can only get the, the abortion procedure in Honolulu or in Hilo, it's on the big island. And so for the rest of the uh, the people who are pregnant and they need this, they use mifepristone unless they get on a plane and fly to Honolulu. Well, this is replicated many, many times over in states like Texas and every other state that is preventing uh, abortion access. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to get rid of the use of mifepristone. It's going to impact 60 million women if this goes through. Mm-hmm. And I think you raise a really important point that uh, for people in rural areas or people in places where clinics are not readily accessible mm-hmm. to them, this is going to have a huge impact on them. Yeah. Um, and- Negative and. and- yeah, yeah, women are going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's- women are going to die. And it's just really horrendous to me that uh, the anti-abortion people are so eager to control our bodies and have power over our bodies. As I said, at the, um, I was on the floor of the Senate a couple of weeks ago before I came back here, and I said, what's with this desire to have power and control over our reproductive freedom? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Well, Keep I, it to I- your- I say. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I feel like if if they don't want to have if they don't want abortions, and then they shouldn't have them. You know? Exactly. Uh, that mm-hmm. that seems like the simplest solution yeah. here. Um, I do want to add before we wrap that um, there is still medication abortion available as of now. Yep. Yep. Um, and even if mis- mifepristone is pulled, there is another course of. Uh, medication abortion that can be administered by providers. Um, However, that's an off-label use of the medication, and there are kind of rumors that Republicans would target that use as well. Um, So for now, it's it's still uh, still available, still safe, but like you said, Senator, it seems like they'll stop at nothing. Yes, because they don't seem to learn their lesson, and they're going to keep going because uh, this is a in my view, out of control behavior on the part of the anti-abortion foes who uh, want to gain control over, over our bodies. Mm-hmm. And when I see Kaczmarek's decision using words such as being pregnant is a normal state, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what? All of us uh, during our childbearing <clears throat> years, <clears throat> we should just be pregnant? That's a normal state? Yeah. Um, that's I, how, that's yeah. how nutty. Pregnancy the, does the, not the tickle, man. If childbirth no. is, is not like an easy thing, it is uh, no. It is really hard and it takes over your entire life for like a year exactly. plus. Um, it yeah. affects every part of, uh, of, your, of our bodies mm-hmm. uh, and, and women are going to die. And we already have uh, one of the highest uh, maternal mortality rates in this country mm-hmm. compared to mm-hmm. other uh, developed nations. Mm-hmm. And so more women are going to die as a result of lack of access to reproductive health care. Yeah. 
Well, that is a grim reality, but I'm glad mm-hmm. that we have people like you, Senator, to speak up and to keep us <laughs> keep a fire lit under our butts and to keep the fight, uh, yes. keep the fight going because we we can't give up. This is a, literally a fight for our lives. Senator Hirono, exactly. thank you so much for joining us. Thank and, you. Aloha. Yep. Aloha. Thank you guys. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) Five stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type. That's my favorite sport. The new, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging, which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. I love these leggings. They are, because you know, like not everybody's the same, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring. And exactly. I, don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh, my gosh. Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at the dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help. You don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. 
You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing, sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go, and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com and enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer, paid for by Vote Save America, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. And welcome back. Alyssa, when I saw this article, I immediately knew that we had to talk about exactly this phenomenon. And that is, well, I'll let the article speak for itself. This is an article by Rebecca Fishbein published by Bustle. And this is the opening couple paragraphs. Everybody who is listening should read it. It's like very good. Last summer, Anna, 24, was dumped by a longtime friend over text. While making plans to meet up, the friend pivoted and told Anna she wanted to end their five-year friendship. When Anna asked if it was something she did, her friend told her she wasn't comfortable answering and that there was no more room for discussion. I'm in a place where I'm trying to honor my needs and act in alignment with what feels right within the scope of my life, and I'm afraid our friendship doesn't seem to fit in that framework. The friend wrote, I can no longer hold the emotional space you've wanted me to and think the support you need is beyond the scope of what I can offer. Uh, I would normally call something like that, like goop talk, but that's even crazier than goop talk. That's gobbledygook. It sounds like you're firing someone. Yes. Yes. yes it totally does. Actually, we've got a sound. With no it. severance. With oh, no yeah. severance. With no severance. And I'm a, <laughs> what would that even look like? Yeah. I, so we have, a, we have a TikTok that went viral last summer that also has some sound in it that kind of fits the phenomenon that we're talking about. Fiona, can you uh, cue it up? I've noticed you've been withdrawn and haven't wanted to hang out recently. What's going on? I've treasured our season of friendship, but we're moving in different directions in life. <laughs> I don't have the capacity to invest in our friendship any longer. Is it something I did? This feels really sudden. I get that it might be hard to understand, but I've been reevaluating many areas of my life recently, including my ability to be a good friend to you. I just want to be honest and upfront so I don't disappoint your expectations. I'm sorry if this feels painful and confusing. I wish you all love and success. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Absolute batshit. Absolutely bonkers bananas. I'm so excited to talk about the therapizing of everyday speech and the turning of interpersonal relationships into, like one of our guests pointed out, like essentially HR interactions. Bizarre. Um, so our first panelist is the founder of the nonprofit Rise, a 2019 Nobel Peace Prize nominee mm. and a 2022 Time Woman of the Year. Amanda Nguyen, welcome to Hysteria. Thanks. <laughs> um, how did those passages and that soundbite make you feel? Honestly, I was taking notes, right? Because <laughs> I have some friends to break up with. <laughs> and, um, I hope that they will respect my boundaries in this confusing time. Um, do you remember that movie where somebody hired, I think, George Clooney to fire other people? Yeah, That's what I'm thinking of. Um, it's really awkward and disorienting. Um, but honestly, there I can understand the appeal of it. Um, so 
Have I had one of these talks? No. <laughs> but am I still taking notes? Yes. <laughs> okay. Our next panelist is a comedian with some tour dates coming up this summer. She'll be at Zany's in Chicago in July on my birthday, July 26th and 27th. Oh, wow. Happy yeah, birthday. Happy thank birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I was in Chicago on my birthday. Summer in Chicago is great. Kieran will also be at the DC Comedy Loft July 28th to the 30th. Kieran Deal, welcome to Hysteria. Hi, my dear. And Detroit in May. Uh, but I thought a more humane, yeah, I thought a more humane thing to say when I watched that video was just the woman, if she had just looked herself or her friend in the face and just been like, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> you a terrible person. This is over. Just, you know what I mean? Like, be clear. Yeah. Be clear. Have humanity. It sounded like it was written by an AI. Is I was like, eventually, <laughs> I hope to be able to. I hope to be able to outsource the breakup of breakups of my friendships to uh, AI. And that woman, <laughs> she really emulated that. You know, like, I know that this must be painful and hard for you. Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah, you know what's funny when I when I remember, I just watched the video. And when I think about the video, I remember her doing robot hands while she's <laughs> doing the Even though she's not, I feel like the robot hands were implied. Um, Alyssa, how do you feel when you hear uh, like the excerpt I read from Fishbine's article and the sound okay. bite that we played? When I first read that article and watched the TikTok for the first time, I got so stressed because I just imagined someone doing that to me. I would lose my mind if someone didn't explain to me why they suddenly hated me or like just do it in a nicer way. Be like, Alyssa, I love you, but like I'm so slammed right now. I'm going to I'll pick up with you on the other side and then never pick up with me on the other side. We both be fine. It's totally easy to do. You know what? Why'd you fucking make plans with her in the first place, you asshole? You don't like her? You've been thinking about breaking up with her? Were you going to break up with her at dinner and you just decided to do it a little bit earlier? I mean, doing it over text is so shitty. But the whole, like, I have to save, she made it sound like she had been assaulted by this poor woman. Like, I have to save space for myself and I have to do this. Fuck off. Like, you're fine. You're fine. Stop acting like you're not fine. You're fine. That's like language that you use when you're confronting an abusive parent, like or or a yes. way more or having an intervention. Yeah, exactly. Or like so, like therapy speak. I think we've all seen it proliferated in recent years, especially with like TikTok and social media, like amateur psych tips and stuff. Um, so, like some examples: gaslight, trauma, boundary setting, coping mechanisms, codependence, toxicity, projection triggers, love bombing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Amanda, have you noticed, does this bother you at all? Like, is there any one of these? Yeah. Is there anything (laughs) that that you find like particularly irksome about it? Yeah. I literally actually had to set um, a time, um, a time limit on my TikTok because I couldn't take this anymore. Mm -hmm. I kept getting these, you know, and I know the algorithm feeds you what you want, you know, so maybe to a certain point I had like liked it, but I really believe that if one is not a therapist, they shouldn't be saying these things um, and trying to teach other people without having a license to, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a proliferation of people who are self-diagnosing themselves incorrectly And that can have really profound implications on how you interact with people like this, you know, actually, I want to ask, is that clip you showed us? Was that like 
an actress like being satirical or was that like for that real? That was for real. That was a real? No. Yeah. And that, <laughs> no. yeah. I thought it was really funny. I was like, oh, she's a comedian. Right? It would be. And, like this person was actually? Yeah. That was a therapist. Oh, Wow. That woman oh. is that woman is a therapist, which to be clear is why her acting was so bad. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Well, I mean, maybe not all I, licensed therapists should also be on TikTok. People. Maybe they yeah. shouldn't be on TikTok. I think TikTok is yeah. maybe not the greatest place for a therapist. Uh, Kieran, have you noticed a particular word or like therapy buzzword that you've seen around a lot and you're like, "No, this isn't this shouldn't be used like this." Aaron, that question is really triggering for me right now. <laughs> Please return back to me at a different time, okay? <laughs> um, there is a there is an Instagram page that my friend sent me called Healing from Healing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's very funny. And it's kind of about the proliferation of like, yeah, I mean, listen, every like on the one hand, I I – I am as guilty of this as anybody. It's like I appreciate the idea of having self-knowledge or getting to to learn who you are so that you can hopefully be a better person um, or have like empathy towards other people. On the other hand, you probably don't know shit, bitch. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just the internet and you're Googling. Like mm -hmm. most therapists also probably shouldn't be talking about it because about half of them are shitty at their jobs. Like it's <laughs> one of my friends said this once. He goes, I, I was talking about like, I was like, I don't understand like why I'm having so many like problems, whatever. And he goes, you need to remember, Kieran, that most people are bad at what they do. <laughs> and I thought, this is a very helpful note. I think that's actually helpful to remember even with mental health professionals or anything you're looking at on the internet, right? It's like maybe, maybe at least half of those people are full of shit. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, what do you make of like the therapy speak in real life? And do you agree that many people who are working in the mental health space are indeed full of shit? <laughs> I, full I'm of not going to double. I'm not going to double down on the mental health space because I'm not a I'm not a comedian. And so I can't I can't stand behind that. I'm just going to say I think that taking any real advice to TikTok is probably more problematic than helpful uh, when it relates to people's mental health, unless you're giving them resources to actually seek help um, and not telling them to just abuse the word triggering and, and toxic. I mean, that's the thing is like all these words have lost all of their meaning. Mm -hmm. Like the way that people use the word toxic now, I had a friend was sort of a friend, uh, use, use the word toxic in such a wrong, she's like, you know what? And she's so toxic. Like she's always late. And I'm like, that's not really a toxic trait. That's an annoying trait. I mean, and is she a surgeon who's like, late to surgery? Cause that's toxic. It's like, no, no, it's no, not she's that. just a regular person being late. But like a regular she person. went to therapist. She went to therapy one time and she uses all these words. And I'll say, you know, if you go back <laughs> in time, go back in time. The like I remember and I don't recall how I learned or why I learned, but the difference between actually it might have been in nursery school, like making an I statement, being like this is how I feel, like not projecting feelings onto other people. I thought that was like a helpful thing. You know, now I always try to just say this is how I feel and I make an I statement. But other than that, I think like all this stuff is really uh it's not very helpful and it's mostly 
uh, un- annoying. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 I mean, the triggering, the toxic, the, my boundaries, it really feels like an excuse for people who are actually being lazy. Like they come off and they're just like, I am so like in tune with myself and I meditated. And then I decided to tell you that you're invading my boundaries. And it's like, no, no, you, you actually, um, don't want to have a real conversation. And so you're going to torture this poor other person and be like, you know what? I don't have space for you anymore. And then they're going to have to wonder, how is that? How is that? I don't know. I just, it mm-hmm. all is very upsetting. It's very upsetting to me. It's It can be used as virtue signaling language. Right. Is yes. basically yes. what you're saying. It's like yeah. using it, your virtue signaling through the language, which yes. I think is what I meant when I said, I think people are full of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's also like kind of class signaling um, because I, where mm-hmm. I grew oh, up, yeah. it wasn't yes. like... Um, it's not really accessible to go to therapy. Therapy isn't covered by most insurance, like in network, even really good insurance is not covered. They don't cover therapy in network. So if you can afford to go to therapy and you can afford to learn these words, it's a way to kind of signal that you can afford to go to therapy. Um, and right. I, I think that that's something that maybe gets lost a little bit in the mental health, in the way that we talk about mental health. And I think that it also um, makes it really appealing on social media like TikTok because then this class signifier is available to people who maybe can't afford to go to therapy on a one-on-one basis. Um, and I mean, I, I didn't mean to throw a wrench in the gears, but it, it just feels a little bit like I'm upper middle class. I'm wealthy. I can afford to do this. I have, I, I'm wealthy enough in time that I can take the immense amount of time it takes to actually work on myself. Um, and then kind of weaponizes that to justify kind of all manner of what my therapist would call maladaptive behaviors. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about the the phrase boundary setting because that seems to be kind of a bugaboo for a lot of people here. Um, Amanda, have you ever had somebody tell you they were setting a boundary and really they were just kind of being a dick and wanting to escape any sort of response? Yeah, politicians all the time when I try to get them to do anything. <laughs> um, you know, I think... Uh, I think boundaries are important, mm-hmm. of course. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. And as an activist, you know, it's my job to push those boundaries, especially when it's public servants who are supposed to be listening to our voices. And especially at the UN, they'll tell you, like, that's not your place, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm um, like, you know, actually, I think it is my place to speak about these things. Um, they're like, you must have boundaries. Um, but the thing is that in a, in at least my international work, the definition of boundaries really has different cultural implications. Like mm-hmm. it's really different mm-hmm. from country to country. And so I'm talking on like a democracy level of what is expected out of civil society. But like, you know, of course that translates even to therapy, right? Like there are plenty of um, people who give these advices on uh, therapy and it's just generalized, but uh, it's really different culture to culture. Mm-hmm. Can you expand a little on that? Like, what is it? What's the? What is a place that you have worked where the concept of a boundary is radically different than the U.S. in a in a noteworthy way? Oh, totally. Um, so, you know, I was trying to get this resolution passed uh, at the United Nations General Assembly, and you know, every country, no matter how big or small you are, everyone gets one vote. So we we had to work with you know all of them. And there are certain countries that believe activists should not 
be engaged within uh, any sort of legislative work. So if we go and we say, I want to tell my story and I'm fighting for this specific piece of legislation, they'll straight up tell us that is not what you can do at the United Nations. You, you know, are supposed to be selected, handpicked by the authorities that be. You speak when we tell you to speak. You will vet all of your remarks. Mm-hmm. Um, so freedom of speech is just a wildly different concept. And so when we're pushing on these boundaries, um, you know, I'm telling them, no, I, I, I think you're wrong. Um, and it, it's really different sets of values. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting because it sounds like that concept of boundary comes from like an old fashioned approach to, you know, like a, like a, a legacy approach. But this kind of therapy speak proliferation at its worst, I'm seeing it sort of become a new way that young people try to enforce like a status quo. Kieran, have you ever been told that somebody is setting a boundary or like use the word boundary in a way that you were like, what? Um, I've had a friend, a friend of mine was uh, reading a book on boundaries and trying to get better at her own boundaries. And then she had a conversation with, I actually think she did a pretty good job though. She was pretty nice. She's a pretty nice person. She was talking about her boundaries and she was like, I'm so bad at this. Like, and at least she was like human about the way that she, um, she did it, which I thought was good. The other thing that that makes me think of like Amanda, when you're talking about how different cultures handle things differently and accessibility is I think about like the NHS, like in Britain, you can get on a wait list and you can get therapy and it, and it is free, right? Because it's a national healthcare service. So they have like worksheets that are like literally explaining 20, I mean, 20 to 30 pages that you can download on the internet about cognitive behavioral therapy and like what you can do while you're on this wait list, which I think is hilarious. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's very, it's like, it's like, they're like, yeah, it's just, it's, it basically breaks down. I mean, I'll send it to you. It, It breaks down like how to catch your thoughts, when to catch them, like what this whole thing is and like whatever the fuck the thing is. But it, it's very funny to me that they're like, because this is free, and we don't have time to take care of all of you here. Help yourself. Help yourself in the meantime so you don't die. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I think I think that's there's there's something about that in terms of like in terms of class that's at least given by the government sure. as opposed to like I was saying in Los Angeles, like I, I I remember I said this like in a joke. I was like, it costs like the average price of therapy in in Los Angeles is $200 an hour. And I was like, like, like you would have to grow a dick, you know, for me to suck. And then I am still going to try to bargain you down to 150. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I, that is, that is definitely an an image that you created with that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Alyssa, like, do you find yourself using therapy buzzwords ever? I mean, they're so like in the zeitgeist right now. Never. Not really. No. I mean, it's just not. I would never look if anyone was in my space. And I have had people because I welcome too much in. I am the chaos agent in many cases. I'm like, let me help you. I'll help you. And then I end up with people who don't go away. And I was like, oh, I was just going to help you for that one time. Um, I didn't mean for you to keep doing this. But some people, I'll just, I just slow down the con- the connect. Like, it's like, no, I don't text them. If they text me, I wait a while. I write back. Like, but I don't, I don't say, you know what? Someone, I don't, I don't say to someone, 
who I think needs help maybe that I'm going to set boundaries on them. I don't feel like that's helpful or that it's not going to just boomerang back and become something worse than it was. So I, I don't, I don't use their, I just use my own words, you know, my own Mm -hmm. words are okay. Yeah. You know, I think something, a place that this gets used a lot, therapy speak is now in like breakups um, yeah. like I, I have a friend who is like telling me who's he's single and he was like telling me about this like really weird breakup he had where she was like, she dropped all of these like strange, it was like, she went from being a person to being like this complete, like robotic, like, um, well, I enjoyed our time together. We should not continue. I do not see a way forward for this connection. You know, this will be the last that we communicate and I wish you well. And it was like, what? Like, you know, that's, it seems very like almost meaner than just being like, look, I'm not feeling it. Um, It's not working for me. Yeah. It's not working for me. I'm not feeling it. Sorry. Like that's, it, it almost feels like insulting that a person sat down and like, can't, like they must have rehearsed this because this isn't how normal people talk, you know, like they must have like looked in a mirror and said, like, I can no longer hold space for our friendship as I realign my priorities. Like, what the fuck? It's like so insulting to be on the receiving. End it's of like, like that. you just want to it's like you want everyone to know that if they ever end up in a conversation like that, they just need to be like, cool. That's it. No other words. Boundary, cool. I'm good. Bye. Like, cool, cool, cool. It's it's such a it's such a condescending way to communicate. I think it's it's this trying to make yourself so superior to this other person, and it's like, yeah. And on the flip side, I think on the flip side, I think people are. I think the intention is that people are trying to have a language around not avoiding things, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who was saying, "Oh my god, like." I, I I get so overwhelmed when I'm rejecting somebody. It stresses me out so much. I, I get I get like hives, mm-hmm. you know. And so she was like, so I would just if I'm if it's my job to reject someone, I'll just like ghost. I'll just like never talk to them again, mm-hmm. which is also can be mean because like what you said, Aaron was like, hey, I'm not feeling it. Um, wishing you the best. Sorry, sounds good, but like if you hella nervous or you're a person who then like can't reject someone well, or the stakes are high, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes those words don't come out as eloquently and as simply as that. And people are looking for some guidance the same way they would be looking in an intervention. I mean, you know mm-hmm. what? I, like, I thought it was funny that you guys mentioned the intervention at the top because you're like, oh, you wouldn't talk to humans this way, but let's talk to someone who's in an extremely low place in their life this way. That should mm-hmm. That should work well you know, with everyone in their life. I mean, it's. Yeah, I think there's a part of me that sees like, of course, like, like advocating for yourself, setting boundaries for yourself is really important. And I think that as women, um, we're socialized to kind of have really amenable boundaries. Like, you know, our boundaries aren't really boundaries. They're like the starting point to negotiations. And we that happens when it comes to like, you know, our, our viewpoints, our hobbies in a lot of hetero relationships, like kind of we're expected to take on the guy's hobbies and he doesn't really reciprocally show interest in our own. Like we're supposed to, um, you know, just kind of like be completely giving with our time. We're supposed to be totally like selfless. Like if you don't have a, if you don't have boundaries, you stop existing like as a human being, 
Right. And Alyssa, here's the one thing, Aaron. This is because this is this has got to a point I was trying to make in my head and it got lost before. Is that the problem with the therapy speak that you see all over TikTok and on social media, not perhaps what really happens in real life, but what is being popularized on social media right now is finite. Right? It is not, it is not, you know what, Aaron? You text me too much. And I love I do you, text girl, you too but, much. <laughs> no, fuck off. But it's like but it's not this, it's not actually, what the thing is, is that when they're all talking about setting boundaries, they're not setting boundaries. They're excommunicating people. And so it's like, it's it's a, it's the wrong word, I feel like, for what they're actually doing. Because if you wanted to set a boundary with someone, you might be like, you know what? Here's how I feel about you. This, it's like, I, I'm not a texter like you. I don't keep up. I don't do 10, 100 times a day. So like, let's be in touch once or twice a week. You know, that's setting a boundary, Mm -hmm. saying I am setting a boundary and therefore will never speak to you again is not actually a boundary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's just how I feel. It's like a word for something that you're not really doing. Mm -hmm. Amanda, you're kind of nodding. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, I read somewhere that if somebody is setting a boundary with you in the way that Alyssa just said, they're actually trying to invest and prolong the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not Mm. cutting somebody out. It's saying, hey, you know, here's what I need in order to um, still continue a relationship with you, because I actually do want to continue a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So those are two different concepts. And I think also, you know, as an activist, um, boundaries in general are really, really important in order to continue doing really hard work. Uh, again, in that way that Alyssa described, it's not cutting things out completely, but finding a medium ground that honors your own mental health while also, you know, still doing really, really hard things. Because um, acting fatigue, activism fatigue is a really real thing. People burn out um, and then they leave causes forever because they don't feel like they could make a difference. Um so yeah, boundaries, I think, are actually a means to continue whatever it is that you're Which, doing. And so- Amanda, to your point, I was just as super quick, but like, I feel like I have learned things from people talking about this, right? Like, mm-hmm. you guys know how I feel about my pets. And I have a, a, a vet who comes to the house. And when something happened to Winky, I texted her on Monday and I said, oh, here's what happened. She's like, why didn't you text me over the weekend? I was like, girl, boundaries. I don't want you to ever break up with me. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I didn't mm-hmm. bother you on the weekend because I wanted to, you know, I it wasn't an emergency and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that's, again, it's like where all of the, where all of the, um, the, 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 the misnomer of a boundary is actually uh, being abused. Mm-hmm. And then there, and then there's also like the workplace stuff where you're like, like in France, they have that thing where you're not allowed to like, now you're mm-hmm. available all the time, right? Like you're like, we all have cell phones all the time that the fact that you could text your vet over the weekend, do you know, to, mm-hmm. to text her and, and have her be available. The idea that everyone is always supposed to be available for anything in the, especially the boundarylessness in a competitive industry mm-hmm. and like what the expectations are in that landscape can be really like, it does feel like in a corporate context, in a corporate setting, the notion of boundaries and being a little bit more strict like that in in terms of the UN, in terms of activism, those places feel like a little bit more, um, it feels a little bit more appropriate to have harder lines mm-hmm. than maybe let's say, you know, the bitch you go brunch with on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or like I- Josh at Ski Ball, Aaron, you know, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't know he played skee-ball. Um, I think, like, Amanda, you mentioned, like, the need for activists to set boundaries. Let's wrap this conversation up with, like, what's an example of a boundary that you've successfully set for yourself around your work? Yeah, a lot of people, um, you know, I work in sexual violence space, so a lot of people write to me during their moments of trauma right after a rape. They'll say, how, get me a lawyer, you know, or like, how can, you know, you connect me to the right hospital? What do I do? And so I'll, I won't respond actually, um, because I literally get thousands of these messages. Um, and, you know, we have an automatic response. It's like, if you need direct help, here are the places that are actually meant for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, and actually the other boundary is that I don't, read comments, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially when I'm talking about my own trauma um, for my own mental health. And that has been very, very helpful in both of these cases. Mm-hmm. If people come up to me in person and they share with me their trauma, you know, I you know, will, I will thank them. And then if they ask for that help, I'll be like, I'm so sorry. Um, that's something that other people can do really well. Here's that resource. Mm-hmm. You know, I can do it. I'm passing it on to people who can. Mm-hmm. And that for me has really, really helped. In the beginning, I try to help, right? Because there are people who wrote in with these like terrible stories. You know, I'm human. Like I want to help, but thousands of them every single week can't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, some people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I don't fault them because they're they're in their moment of trauma. Yeah. I think professional boundaries are super important, especially if you're working in a he- in a space that has so much heaviness and weight. Um, that's, it's, and, and like Kieran, like you mentioned, like working in a competitive space, like in entertainment and comedy, if there are people who are willing to like work 24 seven, it's hard to be like, I'm not doing that, you know, because you feel like they're going to pass you by, you know, or that that's the normal thing. We don't feel, we don't, we don't have external rules. Now to be clear, I don't think comedy is exactly dealing with rape and sexual violence on a regular basis. It's like when you're like thousands of text messages about, you know, about people getting raped, I'm like, "Mm, there's just a lot of guys in my DMS who are like, marry me, (laughs) you know? So it's like kind of a different vibe. Um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how we culturally, could shift. I mean, America's always been that way in terms of work, right? Like there's like this very, like, it's the Puritan thing. It's like, it's the bootstrap shit, you know, mm-hmm. it's, that's the, that's, that's who we are. And it's triggering because I'm lazy. <laughs> Thank you. All Thank right. You. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk sanity corner slash I feel petty. It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help. You don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing, sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go, and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com. 
and enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer, paid for by Vote Save America, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at a dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. Beyonce, Katanji Brown Jackson, the lady who spent 500 days in a cave. Women are all around us. And this Women's History Month, the Crooked Store is celebrating with a pop-up shop featuring favorites from women of color founded companies. For a limited time, the SheCommerce pop-up shop has everything from delicious goodies to kids books to candles, all from small companies that we love. It is a great way to support women of color while treating a woman in your own life. Maybe that's yourself to a sweet distraction from the endless horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at crooked.com slash store for this month only. And welcome back. We have not quite reached the end of the show yet because we've got to tell you what is keeping us sane or making us feel petty this week. It is Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, a.k.a. Sandy Petty. Amanda, I'd like to hear what is keeping you sane or making you feel petty this week. Which one is it? It's definitely sanity. And you're going to know what it is. It is the Artemis crew. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, of course. And these astronauts. Um, honestly, I watched the announcement and was so thrilled. So yeah, if you haven't seen the announcement yet, go check them out. It's going to be the first woman, first person of color to fly by the moon. Oh my gosh. And two other awesome, very cool people. So when is the Artemis mission scheduled to take off? It's next year. Next year. And I was at the first one. <laughs> add that in there. It was so cool. It was like the biggest rocket launch ever. And if you ever go to a rocket launch, the sensation that you feel the most is actually uh, touch because of the vibrations of the rocket. Mm, whoa. That's what was it? Yeah. How close were you? Um, I was very lucky. So I got to be an administrator's guest. So it's as close as all the guests can get um, without dying. Uh, and because you can die from being too close. Um, and it was super amazing. Um, they tell you not to record it because everyone wants to, you know, watch, record it for their phones. But uh, yeah, they're like, watch with your eyeballs. You know, other people have cameras. So <laughs> incredible. Very cool. Are you going to go to this this one next year? I'm sure it's going to be really, really packed. Um, but I mean, it would be a dream to going back to the moon, watching it, and hopefully being on one of these someday. Oh, so. amazing. Well, I don't doubt that you will. Honestly, Amanda, you are so accomplished and can't imagine anything stopping you from going to the moon. Um, the moon. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go next. Uh, I have a sanity corner too this week. Ooh. Surprisingly, uh, I've been very. You're for sanity. Uh, for a long time, I'm usually very petty. Um, so, uh, I have been this, we've talked about this 
podcast on like our cross promos, like we'll record promotions. Like if you like Hysteria, you'll like this podcast too. But I wanted to like add a personal recommendation for You Must Remember This uh, with host Karina Longworth. It is a film podcast and she goes into like the history of film, the like hidden backstory behind different important films. And she's in a series right now called Erotic 90s. Um, I started listening to it and I got all caught up and I was like, I want more. She also does every single year of the 1980s where she talks about eroticism on film during that year. She has an episode about Kevin Costner and like his type of like particular 80s sexiness. And it's like, it's so good. Like every single episode is so good. She's so smart. She's a brilliant writer. She's really funny. And I'm learning things that I just like had no idea about her. And it's so deeply researched and it's so, so good. Um, there's an episode also about Jagged Edge, which was this like neo-noir from the oh, early yeah. 80s. And it is like legit hilarious, Alyssa. I think, I feel like a lot of these movies are movies that you like watched when you were homesick These from school. The- the movies that you watched when you went to someone else's house that had Cinemax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's so good. You must remember this by Karina Longworth. I have like, it has been my entire like week's background noise. And it's it's just really enjoyable. And she does a great job. Um, so that's my Sanity Corner this week. Alyssa, Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? Guys, I'm a little petty this week. And uh, let me tell you why. It's because I spent a fair amount of time in New York City. And uh, I had to go buy wine. You guys, wine people are among the most obnoxious breed I could ever imagine. Oh, so you, like, you picked the you picked the week that Caroline was on vacation to unload this one because Caroline wait, is what Caroline's on vacation. She's a wine person for sure. I no, she can be a wine. You can be. Listen, you can love your wine. You can know a lot about wine. What you don't have to do is go into the wine store and be as obnoxious as humanly possible. I went into the wine store to the $30 and under rack, guys, because I'm honest about who I am, okay? I'm just like, (laughs) I want something red, preferably with a screw top, because why am I messing with a cork? And this guy comes up next to me, clearly, clearly casting judgment on my 30 and under vibes, not age, obviously, because we know that's not true. And he's just like, I just need something that's not so oaky, but also not buttery. And I'm like, I could put a fucking Franzia in a wine glass and you probably wouldn't know the difference. But he (laughs) wanted to be this absolute, just like so much better than everybody else in the wine shop. And let me tell you, I left with four screw top bottles of delicious red wine. I couldn't (laughs) tell you where they were from. I like the labels. It turned out great for me. It's mostly I'm like, is this going to give me heartburn? Do you think it's going to give me heartburn? Or specifically when I'm buying white wine and I'm like, no Chardonnay for me after I turned 30, it gave me heartburn. I just prefer (laughs) people who are a smidge more honest or do not have to scream about the butteriness of wine at a, at a 10 decibel on the scale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Keep it to yourself. Stop mm-hmm. being such a snob. Guess what? I'll, I'll guess that you're rich because you're standing in front of the $100 and over section. All right. Yay, you. <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, man. Uh, see, this is why I'm glad I married a wine person, because then I get to both make fun of wine people and enjoy the expertise <laughs> of a wine person yeah, at the same but, time. No, but, but somebody who knows what they like is completely wonderful. And someone who has, like, invested time in knowing, like, things about wine is great. It is the performative display at the wine store that I'm specifically talking about. Okay. It's the virtue signaling. It's the therapizing of wine. It's the therapizing of wine. Okay. You yeah. know what? I had yeah. to set a boundary with him and I was like, stay on the other side of the 50 and over. That will be a good boundary for us. <laughs> and you were exactly. like, sir, you are girl bossing too close to the yeah. sun. <laughs> Icarus. Mm-hmm. Wine Icarus. Indeed. Uh, my my favorite my favorite was jammy. Somebody was at a thing. He was like a little jammy, a little less jammy, and I was like jammy. Got to tell Alyssa that because <laughs> jammy because that to bitch me, knows jam. I'm assuming what jammy the fuck does jam have to do with jam- anything? Because you know what? I think it's a word they use instead of fruity because fruity's not cool. So they say jammy because if it's about the consistency, that's disgusting. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. it reminds me of that like SNL sketch of the cookie dough, like the performance cookie dough or milk. They've done like gross energy drink ads on SNL multiple times. Anyway, Kieran, uh, <laughs> Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? Um, I think Sanity uh, because I was shook. I know Alyssa just crushed it. I mean, that's all there is to really say. Um, I was going to just give you a little smattering. uh, uh, Two things. A buddy of mine released a book, a former MD, um, Anthony Chink. We released a book called um, I Can't Save You. Um, And he was an ENT, a former ENT who works. And it's like a memoir that kind of deals with being like just kind of like an autobiography of like just the – I think emotional and mental journey of being a doctor for a long time and what that felt like and being a person of color is a black dude in like, you know, in that world and what that felt like. And it's also like funny and touching and great. So that's a very, it's a great read. Um, and that is my way of bragging that I can read. Um, <laughs> I do live in Los Angeles and, you know, sometimes I do think it is illegal to read here. Um, just from looking people in their eyes and seeing what they're like, I listened to that book. And I was like, no, no, no. I read it with my face. Um, and the other one is I just wanted to give you a little smattering of a uh, smattering, 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 smattering. Smattering. Yeah. <laughs> smattering sounds, sounds I wanted, right. I wanted to smatter in, uh, for and that on that uh, page, healing from healing, which is still growing, twenty five thousand followers. But um, there is uh, an AI rendition of Donald Trump doing ayahuasca <laughs> <laughs> because he's healing. Um, uh, you know, there's some. Uh, I'm gonna there's, follow uh, it right now. Healing from healing. Yeah, there's healing from healing. I'm there's go- Gwyneth Paltrow right following it right now. Healing. Um, this better be good. Uh, yeah, there's one of Gwyneth Paltrow, and it says, uh, gastroenterologist here. Uh, not that you would, but please don't get, and in, in quotes, uh, rectal ozone therapy. And then, then he's like, also, <laughs> please don't put coffee in your butts either. And I was like, chic. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, amazing. This is going to be the next 20 minutes yeah, after following. we finish recording. I'm following it, too. Um, well, that's all the time we have. I want to thank Amanda and Kieran for coming by. You two are just the best. Alyssa, thank you for being my ride or die. Thank you to Senator Maisie Hirono for stopping by to help explain the legal mess around the abortion pill. And listeners, thank you for sticking with us every week. We will be back with more Hysteria next week. 
Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. 